Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. So good morning. Welcome, guys. Good to see you, and uh, good to see folks at home. Hi to all my grandkids, Ember, Cadence, Jackson, Holden, Caspian. Good to see you guys. Ember told me a couple weeks ago, Pup, I saw you on TV. It's pretty fun. Uh, So as Donna mentioned, we are uh, in the book of Ephesians. I want to introduce today's topic by just sharing a little story with you. When I was uh, first in ministry, probably... um, mid-twenties-ish, had gone staff recently at uh, the church that Donna Donna and I had been attending since we were teenagers. And uh, at that time, our church was meeting in an old uh, warehouse building that we had renovated and and were using for church. And so the sanctuary was kind of in one corner, and then there were these long hallways down around the sides of it. And uh, we went, we had a, a season of prayer. You know how different times God will speak different things to a church or a movement or a denomination or whatever. So it was kind of like one of those things where the Lord was really emphasizing, kind of highlighting prayer to us, and we were having prayer meetings every day. And I, I was I was focused. I, I, I was, you know, just I was going to push through and do this thing. So one afternoon I had no appointments on my schedule at all. It was clear. So I was just going to commit the whole afternoon. And I was going to pray. So I went down one of those hallways and they were dark because uh, the, the lights were, it was a whole bank of lights for the whole hallway. And so during the day, during the week when no one was there, we didn't turn them on. We only turned them on on Sundays when people were there. So it was dark. So I go all the way down this hallway to the very end, the last classroom. I go in this classroom. I'm far away from everybody. This is like the inner sanctum. It's the prayer closet. I'm in there. I go in. I, I kind of get into the, the the position, the prayer position. I don't even know what that is, but uh, I got in there. I was super, super focused, and I started praying. And I prayed for everything I could think of. I prayed for our church, for community, for my family, my friends, for the nation, for the world, everything, you know, and I was, I was like, this is it. And then I, uh, I came out and I was walking back up the hallway. I got to where the light was and, and looked at the clock and I had been in there for 10 minutes. Uh, so, so I share that just to say that Prayer is, uh, you know, kind of a fluid thing. It's different for everybody. I, I googled some statistics on prayer this week, and it's interesting because they're super ambiguous. There's no consistency. One one survey or one poll will say that 84% of Americans pray uh, at some time, and another poll will say 55% of Americans pray at some time. Uh, so it's it's all over the map. You know, no one really knows. I think it has a lot to do with how you actually define prayer, whatever. I don't know. I think uh, as believers, though, followers of Jesus, Christians, right, we all pray. We we, we all pray. Uh, some of us, and, and I know people in our congregation who love to pray. 
and who are just, uh, you know, you know they, when they pray, I love listening to them because it's, there's just a, a fluidity to their prayer, and they're just, you can tell they're just in, in a place that's super comfortable for them. Other people, I think, struggle with prayer. You find it difficult, maybe. Um, you know, you might be someone who, and, and this is sort of our focus this morning and kind of something that was, uh, that I've worked at over the years to overcome is a lack of vocabulary. I don't know if you've ever found yourself praying and you kind of feel like I'm praying the same things over and over again or saying the same words over and over again. And so, um, our passage this morning in Ephesians is, uh, is a prayer. It's one of several apostolic prayers, which are just prayers prayed by the apostles that are recorded in the New Testament. M- most of those, if you look up apostolic prayers, a lot of them are one, maybe two lines, but there are actually two in Ephesians by Paul that are, that are a little more extensive and a little more detailed. So this is one of those this morning. Uh, if you've been with us in this series, We've been actually covering about uh, one or two verses a week. This morning, we are going to cover a mind-numbing nine verses. So just hold on to your hats, kids. Nine verses today. Um, Two things I I have hope for this morning. One is that your prayer life is encouraged. That you're just encouraged uh, in your own prayer life uh, however you may feel about it right now, whether you feel like it's good, could be better, whatever, that you're encouraged in your prayer life. Second thing is I hope that this gives you some vocabulary, helps you to expand your prayer vocabulary. In fact, that's our title this morning, ex- Increasing Your Prayer Vocabulary. Um, so with that, let's pray, and then uh, we'll read the text together. Father, thanks so much for uh, your heart for us. I thank you for our time of worship this morning and just the ability to lay aside uh, distractions and the things that uh, tend to fill our minds and our hearts and come into your presence. Uh, I pray that you would open our hearts now just to receive from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Before I, before I read this, I'll just share... Uh, you know, Tucker's prayer this morning and then talking about just being, you know, with God and not being double-minded. And I find that I, I do fairly well most of the time in that area, um, except, and this is confession time, uh, when I'm driving a car. Anybody with me on that? Uh, I find that I can I can tolerate people who think differently than me, believe differently than me, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but if you drive differently than me, you really annoy me. And, uh, so I need, I need help with that one. When I get behind the wheel of the car, I need to have more grace. That's my confession for the day. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let Donna drive. That's probably better anyway. I'm getting old. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So he starts off this prayer with the words, for this reason. So what is this reason? And he's really referring back to everything that he'd said in the previous passages, which uh, Paul has been outlining in the introduction, really kind of what it looks like, what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Uh, And he's had this report, he's heard uh, that the the Ephesians are actually doing that. They're living that out. they, They have faith and trust in God, and they have love for all God's people. And he's going, good job. I, I, I hear you guys are, are really trusting God. You're loving others. Way to go. And so, so for that, that spurs him to pray for them. Um, he, he, uh, he begins to pray because he hears this report. And then, I, and I love this, he tells them that he's praying for them. Um, I've been trying to do that lately. Uh, you know, there's something, praying for someone is really an act of love. It really is. It's not exactly the same as saying, I love you, but it kind of is. It's an expression of love. And so I've been trying when I, when I pray for someone, uh, you know how it is, you, whatever, you just think of somebody or you have your prayer list, however it works for you, and you pray for a person. I, and not, not all the time, but occasionally I'll text them and just say, hey, I've been praying for you today. And I think it's a way of, of expressing love to that person. Um, I, I would say this, consider it this way. It's, it's really a profound expression of prayer, if you think, or of love, if you think about it, because we have been given, we've been granted an audience with God, okay? Now, if you think about that, so in terms of like human relationships, if you if the, if there, think of the president of the United States or the king of some country or even maybe the CEO of some big business, uh, big corporation or whatever, you can't just walk in and talk to that person. You have to make an appointment, and realistically speaking, in most of those contexts, you probably can't make an appointment with that person. Probably most of us won't be allowed to sit down and talk to Bill Gates. Uh, we won't be allowed to sit down and talk to the president. There's a, we, we, can't, we, we don't have the ability, the opportunity to have that audience. But we have that audience with God, and in fact, there's no appointment necessary. We can go to him anytime, anywhere, and just uh, begin to speak to him. And so if you consider that audience that we have with the God of heaven, and then utilizing that on behalf of someone else, that's a, that's a loving thing to do. That's a loving thing to do. We really express love to people when we pray for them. Paul is very persistent in his prayers for the Ephesians. He says two things. One, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, and I keep asking. He prays over and over again. Uh, and I, something else, you know, just the thought of giving thanks for people. I don't know if you do that. I, I have found that that's a, a benefit uh, 
in my own life to just be mindful of giving thanks for people, uh, giving thanks for your family, for my spouse, for my kids, for, for my friends, for you guys, for our church. Um, there, there's something about that that is profound in our own hearts when we do that. I, I want to do something right now. I know we, we've we, we did this, we, we, we kind of stopped and had a, a time in worship where we were just going before God. But I want to do it one more time. Stop right now, and let's just take a minute. And I, and I want you to give thanks for people that just, you just, just open your heart to God, and people will come to mind. And you don't have to do it out loud. You can just do it in your own heart. If you feel like saying something out loud, you can, but just in your own heart. Just, just take one minute and just give thanks for people. Just give thanks for the people in, in, your, in your life. Amen. You know that um, doing that will actually increase your love for those people. As you go before God and you give thanks for people, uh, supernaturally, your love for those people will deepen and increase. It's a, it's a, a spiritual reality that we can't uh, we can't make that happen. It just happens as we go before God with that. Uh, Paul continues his prayer by asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Um, you know, I, I love this prayer, and, and one of the reasons I, I love it is because it challenges me quite a bit. I, I'm a person who likes information, so I, I, I watch the news a lot, maybe more than I need to. Um, I read a lot, and, and I really do. I, 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 I'm a kind of a lifetime learner. School never really ends for me. I'm always learning, always reading, always gaining information. But uh, something that I have learned in that process is that uh, we cannot know God by information alone. Most things in this life, uh, you know, we can learn as much as there is to know about them by gathering information uh, on that topic or that subject. But God doesn't fit in that category. Uh, we... We know God by revelation. We know God as the Holy Spirit makes him known to us. And that, that can happen in a variety of ways. That could happen by reading. You can be reading scripture and, or even another source. I read, you know, devotionals by Henry Nouwen or people like that. Um, and in that, in, in that process, you know, you suddenly have a, a new revelation of who God is. It becomes very real. Uh, but it can happen, obviously, through prayer, through worship, I think is probably, uh, it's one of the gifts I, I believe God has granted our movement in particular, not that we're the only ones, but just the opportunity to 
worship God and the, the reality that he will reveal himself and make himself known to us in that process. It can happen through conversation. Sometimes you're just talking to a friend or uh, whoever and, and, and your conversation kind of goes into things of the Spirit and suddenly you, you realize you're you're in the presence of God in a, in a deeper and a new way. Uh, for, for some of us, it might happen just while we're out in nature, walking, hiking, whatever. But uh, in any case, there's a lot of ways that God reveals himself and makes himself known to us. But as we become more and more aware of him, we come to know him in a deeper way. And so uh, I would say this, and if you, it's, I, I wrote it down for you. Revelation leads to transformation. The revelation of God, as, as God becomes more and more known to us, our hearts and our lives are transformed and we become more like him. So revelation really does lead to transformation. We become more like God as we get to know him better. Paul says he, uh, he prays that uh, you may know him better. And that's the heart of the prayer. The rest of the prayer is focused on that one line, that you may know him better. Um, he goes on and he defines how that happens in our lives. How, how do we get to know God better? Uh, one thing he says is that God would enlighten the eyes of our hearts. I love that phrase. I've always loved that, uh, that God would enlighten the eyes of our hearts. It's the, the idea that um, our hearts are, are darkened and the, the knowledge of God, as he's revealed to us, uh, causes the eyes of our hearts, the spirit, to begin to see things in a greater and a different way. Uh, as we know him better, uh, the eyes of our hearts become enlightened and, and we become uh, then transformed into his image. I don't know, it's like this. This is the, the best illustration I have. I don't know if you've ever uh, watched a sunrise. When I was a, a young person, I spent some time uh, in Hawaii on the island of Maui and one of the things people do there is there's a, a, a mountain called Haleakala, and you can drive up to the top of it, and you watch the sunrise from the top of the mountain. And what happens is you're above the clouds. There's a, there's a cloud layer that lays uh, halfway down the mountain. It's just a natural uh, cloud force that's there. And the sun actually rises up out of those clouds. If you want to go there, oh, there it is right there. Look at that. And uh, it's a little bit like that when God enlightens the eyes of our hearts. Because when you do this, if you, <laughs> you have to be committed because you have to leave wherever you're staying at about 4.30 in the morning. So it, it's dark. It's pitch dark. You're tired. You're cold. Uh, you get up. You get in your car. You kind of drive up the mountain in the dark. Uh, you, don't, you, can't, you know, when it's dark, you don't see anything, right? Uh, and then you get there, and it's kind of fun because there's like a parking lot, and there's other people around. You know, there's people are, it's dark, but you can tell they're there. And then, uh, and then what happens is it begins, you know, you've, you've experienced this before if you've been in a sunrise. It, it goes from dark to gray. Things kind of become gray. You can start to see, but there's no color. There's no definition. And then gradually it's, it becomes... Uh, increasingly defined, increasingly light until you actually see the sun come up out of those clouds and it's beautiful. And that's the same process that happens when God the, enlightens the eyes of our hearts. Uh, they go from that place of darkness into that place of light and it really, really is beautiful. Um, there's, there's three things that Paul says will take place uh, when the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. 
Uh, the first is that we'll know the hope he's called us to. Second is we'll know the riches of his inheritance in the saints. And the third is we'll know his incomparably great power for us who believe. I, I, I had a revelation uh, this week as I was preparing this. Uh, have you ever considered that you're called to hope? I, I don't think I'd ever thought of that before. We think of calling, okay, the call of God on my life, right? What are you called to? Some of us are called to ministry. Others are called to leading worship. Maybe you're, you feel like I'm called to care for the poor, or I'm called to care for children or the elderly, or I'm, I'm called uh, to, to any number of different, I'm called to missions, I'm called to, to, the, to foreign countries, or maybe my neighborhood, that's my mission field. I'm called to serve my neighbors and love them. There's, there's the, the callings of God on our lives are as diverse as, as there are people. Everyone has their own specific unique calling. But uh, here's the deal. We're all called to hope. We're all called to hope. One of the most distinguishing facets of Christian life is being called to hope. Um, we, we are called to hope in times when hope is a rare commodity. We, we live in a world today uh, where, frankly, hope is rare. I think for many people, they look uh, ahead and they don't see anything good. And they're challenged and maybe uh, fearful. Um, wondering what does tomorrow, next year bring? What, where, how are we going to get through this? But you and I are called to hope. We are called to be beacons of hope and heralds of hope and to hold out hope to other people in the midst of that. And I just uh, would encourage you maybe this week to uh, meditate on that a little bit and, and, and just consider what that might look like and and how that might play out in your own lives, that we're called to be beacons of hope. We're, we're called to be people who extend the hope of God to other people. The second thing that uh, he says here, it's worded a little funny, uh, the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And it's, it's hard to tell, is it God's inheritance in us, or is it inheritance that we have from him? And, uh, it's it's complicated because if you think about it theologically, either way works. Either one of those would, would theologically be accurate and true. Um, so I don't know. But I believe, based on the context of the overall prayer, that what God's saying here, what Paul's praying, is that uh, we have an inheritance in him and that we would come to know what that is. Uh, that the inheritance that God's given us in terms of the presence of the kingdom of God, to be kingdom people that walk in his kingdom day and night. That's what I think he's, he's asking that the Ephesians would know uh, to, to be able to walk that out. And then finally, uh, the third thing that happens is that we're given power, the incomparably great power for us who believe. Um, I don't know what version you guys read. NIV is what I'm using. It says incomparably great power. But the word incomparably is not actually in the Greek. There, that's, there's no translation for incomparably in Greek. What this actually says in the Greek, if you were to translate it literally into English, would be something to the effect of his powerfully powerful power. 
That, that's, it's like his powerfully powerful power, or maybe like we might say if you're a, if you're a math genius, power to the 10th power or something. I don't know. Is that right? The 10th power? Is that a thing? I don't know. I'm not a math person. Yeah, I can't even, I can't count to 10, much less do math. But it's something like that. It's power beyond our ability to grasp the nature of that power. Uh, and and he, he defines it by saying it's just like, it's the same thing. It's exactly like the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you go, well, that's power. Uh, that's, that's fairly powerful. And not only did it raise him from the dead, but it seated him far above uh, everything else, rule, authority, power, dominion, every name that's invoked, present age, age to come, it's definitive, it's eschatological, it's complete, it's total, the power of God is beyond everything else, and he's above all authorities, uh, spiritual authorities, demonic authorities, earthly authorities, worldly authorities, governments, and he says that that same thing, that same power that does that in Jesus is available to you and I. Amen. Say amen. That was weak. Say amen. That was a little better. If the uh, band wants to come back up, we'll close. But I, I want to I just say this. In, in terms of that power happening in our lives, being available to you today, let me ask this question. What's troubling you today? What's weighing heavy on your heart? Uh, is there a health issue perhaps? Or maybe a financial issue? Relational issue? Um, can't take her anywhere. Are you... Uh, Man, Mercy, you messed me up right in the... <laughs> Overcome with, uh, you know, sometimes we just experience sadness, grief in our lives, over loss, depression. There's a lot of things that can be going on. My point was simply that um, there's nothing that can happen in the course of our lives that's greater than the power of God working in and through us. So if you'll, if you'll be willing this morning to submit whatever that is to him and ask God to bring his power to bear uh, on that situation. Uh, I believe that God, God will hear your cry and answer you in the midst of that. Um, and then I would encourage you this week as we go out uh, to be heralds of hope. Uh, remember the hope that you're called to and uh, be and speak hope and life into the hearts of others around you. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.